Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. catching up with Dr. Rushi Gupta to learn about her exciting research and how it impacts our food allergy community. She joins us today from her home in Chicago, as she also shares important resources for our listeners. Rushi Gupta is an MD and also holds a master's in public health, is a professor of pediatrics and medicine at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, and a clinical attending at Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. She has 15-plus years of experience as a board-certified pediatrician and a health researcher and currently serves as a director of the Center for Food Allergy and Asthma Research, also known as CIFAR, where she's actively involved in clinical, epidemiological, and community-based research. Dr. Gupta is nationally recognized for her groundbreaking research in the areas of food allergy and asthma epidemiology, specifically for her research on childhood food allergy prevalence in the United States. She also has significantly contributed to the academic research surrounding the economic impact of food allergy pediatric management of both food allergy and asthma, improving the quality of life of children and caregivers, and implementing community interventions in schools for students with food allergy, asthma, and other health conditions. Dr. Gupta is the author of The Food Allergy Experience, has written and co-authored over 100 peer-reviewed research manuscripts, and has had her work featured on major TV networks and in print media. Welcome. My name is Caroline Moasasi, and I'm FACT's Roundtable podcast host. I'm honored to take on this role with FACT, as I'm also a passionate allergy and asthma advocate on the national and international level, a parent of children with food allergies, and the founder of GratefulFoodie.com. Welcome, Dr. Gupta. We're really happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Caroline. So glad to be here. Well, I'm going to dive right into the first question. Can you explain to our listeners, what do you do as a pediatrician and a researcher? Huh, what do I do? It is, <laughs> I'm director of the Center for Food Allergy and Asthma Research at Northwestern and Lurie Children's. And so I help kind of run that whole research arm. So let's start with research. In our research center, we have three main pillars. And the first is data and public health data. So a lot of you may be familiar with a lot of the prevalence numbers that comes out of our shop and you know the 8% of kids, 10% of adults have food allergies. We're also working on larger data projects to try to connect the whole country and their EMR so we can get large databases of hundreds of thousands of food allergic children and adults to really better understand the condition and predictors of development and of resolution. So that's the whole data arm. The second one is clinical. Clinical means we really work hard in a couple areas to try to improve clinical care, especially in the pediatric setting. We're also doing a lot of work, a couple NIH studies around prevention. So kind of off of the LEAP study, trying to do some studies to understand what's happening in the U.S. 
And then the third big arm is community. And that is really essential to us. We're really building our community arm, trying to develop this with the community. So building a community board, having the community give us their thoughts on what research needs to be done in the community, working with schools and labeling and policies. So it's it's a lot of fun and a lot of work. And that's what I do most of my time uh, as a pediatrician. Just because research has gotten so busy, I, I do see patients, but just once a week. And I see patients with my residents. So trying to help train the new set of pediatricians and really enjoy my time there. But I would say the majority of my time is food allergy and asthma research. Well, we definitely need those new pediatricians to learn from the best and to learn about food allergies. Mm-hmm. So now your type of research seems very focused on data and getting good information out there. I know for me personally, as an advocate, I've used your research as we've advocated for laws here in Nevada, but maybe you can explain to listeners how an advocate can tap into the kind of work you do. Yeah, that's great because I I would love for everyone to have access to our data for your needs. So we have data from pretty much all over the country on the prevalence of food allergy. And I think that's where you, we uh, supported some of the work you were doing um, to say how many people in Nevada have food allergies, how many kids are impacted to really um, move policy, right? Because you have to show them the data. I often say a lot of our research is common sense because we all know it to be true, but unless you put the numbers out there for policymakers, they're not going to believe you. So Um, Yes, so we do a lot of public-facing research. So prevalence, types of food allergies. So we're working, we just showed that sesame is number nine. So that that paper was published. So that'll help advocate for hopefully adding sesame to the label. So you can use the data that we gather and the papers that we put out to support what you need for your whole state like you did, but even we've had so many people use it for their schools, you know? So what are the issues in schools? We do a lot of school research. So that's where we've helped people get the right slides or or right data points to share with their schools to show that they really need to improve their policies. So yeah, there's a lot of ways, but if there's any numbers that you're looking for, feel free to reach out to us. All right. So how does a listener reach out to you to find that information? So if someone is advocating for something at their school, what do they do? They should uh, go on our website, which is cfar.northwestern.edu, and check out uh, the research that we're doing. And they can email us straight from there, or you know, they can email our team directly. Uh, a lot of our information is just right there. So we love hearing from community members because I always say, you know, all our best ideas come from people living with the condition. And as you know, my my own daughter has it, so I do live with it. But getting to talk to other families and other people with ideas, you know, one community member came to us and told us, you know, this is great. You're doing this stuff for schools, but there's nothing for daycares. So she joined the team and helped us develop resources for daycares and families with younger children. Somebody else came and said, well, this is great. You're doing this for the schools, but there's nothing for colleges. So we realized we were missing both bookends, you know, like the youngest and then the oldest. And so so we got into doing that kind of research, really hearing from the community and what issues you're facing and what areas you feel like are being left behind or where the holes are helps us improve our research. 
Thank you for sharing that and for inviting the community to become part of the solution. Can you tell our listeners what new research are you working on right now or maybe research you just completed? Wow. How much time do you have? <laughs> so we, I'm trying to think what would be the most interesting for your listeners. We've we've been doing a lot of really interesting research with data, like I mentioned. We're working with FAIR to build what we call a data commons. So building a data dictionary of food allergy variables, being able to put smart sheets in electronic medical records so that we can collect data, like I said, on hundreds of thousands of individuals with food allergy, and then connecting that to a registry where, where families can answer surveys. So if we could connect all of that data together, I think we can answer some questions that I feel like bother me and bother families so much, like how do you tell the severity of your food allergy? We don't have great data on can we predict what your next reaction will be? Can we can we predict who's going to anaphylax? So, and then can we predict who's going to grow out of food allergy? You know, should you join a treatment or will your child most likely grow out of the food allergy? So, so there, there are so many questions and that's because I think food allergy research is relatively young. I've been doing it for 16 years and it has grown immensely and now we have treatments and we have prevention. So it's exciting, but there's a lot, lot more uh, that needs to be done. Dr. Gupta, I do know you're doing some research on at-risk neighborhoods and different groups like that. So maybe you can speak a little bit to that research. Yes, I would love to. So, you know, with COVID-19, we were approached by uh, multiple organizations, one being Food Equality Initiative, where we were asked to partner. We had already been partnering on some stuff, but now with COVID-19, it became a more pressing issue. The fact that many people with food allergies and other related conditions may be experiencing food insecurity. And how do we support them to be able to get safe foods during this time? Because most food banks are boxing foods and just letting people pick up boxes, but they're so overwhelmed that they are not able to provide really specific foods for people who have food allergies and food conditions. So We've been working together. We put out a paper really talking about this problem and trying to find solutions. We're writing a grant together right now around this. So that is a a really big issue. We're working with a couple food banks in Chicago as well to try to understand how we can address this and how we can get programs like WIC and other government-run programs to really try to incorporate food allergies and food conditions when, when dealing with families. Because currently... It's not a part of the program. So that is a big area. Other areas that I think families would be interested in, we're doing a lot around labeling. So precautionary allergen labeling, which impacts all of us. We are doing a large study that is soon to be published around preferences of families around labeling and their current practices. And I think this is a really important study because it will help us hopefully change policies around precautionary allergen labeling. Currently, what we find is that Families are making, again, their own judgment call on what's safe and what's not. So we found that many more people would be likely to buy something that says manufactured in a factory with than they would buy something that says may contain, even though they may not be any different because there's no thresholds or amounts that they have to have for those labels. Those labels are voluntary. 
by manufacturers. So, so it's, it's really, really interesting. I think families are having to make their own judgment calls a lot of times, you know, when you drop off your kid to after school or summer camps and they say, how severe is your food allergy? And we don't know, but you have to give them an answer, right? Or is this safe for my kid to eat, you know, has a precautionary allergen label on it, but what does that mean? So, so we're hoping to, uh, to help families answer some of those very difficult questions. And I would think that that data would also be really important to food manufacturers to understand the consumer better and how they're making decisions because they're thinking one way, but we're buying in another way. Absolutely. And, you know, we have talked to, and we actually wrote a paper with food manufacturers giving their side of the story, you know, why it's so difficult for them. So you're absolutely right because uh, food allergen labeling on products impacts so many. It impacts, you know, families, individuals with food allergy and food manufacturers. So we all need to work together to really come up with a good solution for this. Well, the more information that's out there, the better it is for the manufacturers and for the advocates. Now, with all of this research, because it's pretty vast, do you have a favorite, like one study that just warmed your heart or was just so fun to dig into? Wow. That's a tough question because I feel like I get so excited about every single one of them. Each one adds a little, a little something. I think one of my favorite ones, probably, and it's probably one of our smallest ones that nobody knows about, is when we actually talk to kids and ask them how it, food allergies is impacting them directly. And although we always talk about, you know, how difficult it is on them and on families because, you know, you don't know when you're going to have a food allergic reaction or if it's going to be mild or anaphylactic. And it's very, causes a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. But one of my favorite studies is when we found that we asked kids, you know, did it do anything good for you? And, and then two of the things they mentioned were that it empowered them to be self advocates, which we would want for all our kids and, and that they had more empathy for other people with any kind of conditions. So that was really nice because in that study, although we were showing, you know, the challenges that they faced with their peers or, and at school, we were able to show how they are able to get something that we would want all our kids to have, you know, self-advocating skills and kindness. So that was, that's probably one of my favorites, but I, I shouldn't say that because I, I just feel so fortunate to do what I do. You know, I get to go to work and answer these questions that are just so critical. And I, I guess I can't get enough of it. That's why I kind of work all the time. I feel, I feel very lucky being in a position like this. I think that's the greatest answer. I mean, that shows your enthusiasm and your passion and how when each one comes along, you're just in it to win it and you're in there. And, and that is really sweet to hear that the students or the young people are really receiving something from this because there needs to be a little bit of a silver lining. Yep, absolutely. We have to know that these kids are pretty resilient. And although it is very challenging, they, so many of them, you know, especially when they're connected with each other. And that's why we're so lucky to have this very strong food allergy community, because I feel like we can really support each other and and support our kids to overcome this and to, uh, to bond together and get through it. And so until we get those treatments, which, by the way, are around the corner. So that's also very exciting. 
and prevention. So hopefully in the future, we won't have as many kids with food allergy. Then, you know, we just, we all need to work together. It does take a village. Right? That's our, our theme. It takes a village. And I have to say how stunning it is. My son's 21 and he was diagnosed at the age of two. And to think about that age of two to now, I can't even get my head around it. It is amazing. And that's thanks to you and all these other researchers who are just out there staying up later than they should, working much longer than they should. You make a big difference. And thank you for that. Well, no, it's also thanks to people like you who put all our data and information out there for families, you know, to have and do things like this where, you know, we're not able to do these things. So it, like you said, it takes a village. It takes each and every one of us. I'm not doing anything bigger or better than what you're doing. We're all playing our part to, to make this better for everyone. Well, that we are. It's a, it's a good team. I like this team. Now, can you tell our listeners about CIFAR, the Center for Food Allergy and Asthma Research? I would love to. So we're so excited to have the center now. So we were a program, SOAR, and last year uh, the university made us into a center. So it's the Center for Food Allergy and Asthma Research, CIFAR, and it is growing very rapidly and really thanks to the community. And the community arm is the one arm that's growing so the Center for Food Allergy and Asthma Research is housed at Northwestern University and Lurie Children's Hospital. And uh, our goal is, is to continue to do strong research in the areas of you know, data and public health and clinical care and community. So I really encourage anyone who is interested to check out our website and get involved. We are developing a community board and we would love participation from as many as possible. Tell us what's needed, and we'll do our best to, to make it happen. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I know in the fall, you hosted the FACES mm-hmm. conference. So is that part of CIFAR? Yes. Yes, that is. That's part of our community arm, and we are going to do it again. The dates haven't been decided, but it will be in the spring of 2021 this year, or the next one. So please keep an eye out for uh, that announcement. And as always, we'd, we'd love to have as many of you join us as possible. It is definitely one of my my most inspiring moments because I get to interact with so many wonderful families from, I thought the Midwest, but it's been all over the country. And, and made, you know, we've been able to make some just such special relationships and, and work with such amazing children. So yeah, please try to make it. FACES 2021 spring. I attended this last fall and thoroughly enjoyed it. But what I really enjoyed was seeing the little kids and the children and the teenagers and them going into their sessions. It was just so heartwarming because you could just see all the education, the exchange and the bonding and the connecting. So I'll make sure we definitely put the information in our podcast data so listeners can follow back up. Thank you. We appreciate it. You are welcome. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about the work you do, the research, CIFAR? You have so many hats you wear. Well, no, I think you covered everything. Yeah, no, we're working really hard to impact change in this area and to hopefully make our lives a little bit better. But like I said, we're very, very focused on the community. And so any, any inputs you give us, we will... Uh, definitely add to our list and, and try to try to improve upon what's already out there. Well, thank you for your time. I know you're super busy and I hope you actually get some rest tonight. 
Absolutely. Hey, it's a three-day weekend, huh? <laughs> there we go, good. It's time of the year. I, know. I love it. Well, thank you again, Dr. Gupta. We always appreciate your time, and we hope to see you once again on the show. Thank you, Caroline. Appreciate you, too. You can find the resources Dr. Gupta mentions today at cfaar.northwestern.edu and foodequalityinitiative.org. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe, share, and leave us a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Overcast, TuneIn, and Alexa. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes and be sure to connect with us on social media. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.